Hi, Gregory. How are you? Hi, Thomas. Oh my God, my hair is askew. Let's make it not askew, unaskew. <laughs> How are you? This is Dr. Deb here. Oh no, I'm gonna keep these on, these are cute. How are you? You were asking people, what is your opinion of the actor Nicolas Cage? C-A-G-E-F-I-G-A-T! Oh my god. Oh my god. This is Cage Fight. Welcome to Cage Fight. Hello everybody. What time is it? Cage time, isn't it? My name is Gregory Aikman, and actually, I haven't heard of you either. So I don't know why you're being so uppity about me just being a stranger on the internet. Fuck you. Just fuck you. Tom. Okay. Take All over right. this introduction. It's gone badly already. It's, uh, it's we're we're on a we're coming in hot at you from the cage fights. I'm Thomas Beeman. Gregory, you you just heard of him. You're also agree. You're maybe a little too excited. Let's just calm down a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. I had cake. Ooh, this early. Yeah, it's like in in real life, it's not even one p.m. And I've had had a bacon sandwich for breakfast, and then I followed it up quite quickly with cake. Well, you're having just the most indulgent afternoon, aren't you? It's a wonderful afternoon, but it does mean that I immediately am just overly excited. I'm giddy, and I need to settle down. <laughs> Must just, have been the bacon, huh? I think it was the bacon, and also, like, last last time we were all together, we had Tay Zonday telling us about his thoughts and feelings about Nick Cage. And this time, we, we we're not here to disappoint you, dear listener. This time we had genuine real-life doctor, Deborah Wyndham, who you might recognise from such televisual appearances as Real Housewives of Orange County. She got in touch. <laughs> do you like the way I'm phrasing it? Like, I didn't I pay do. her to do this. I do enjoy that particular <laughs> phrasing of it, yes. Uh, she got in touch with us. She reached out, giving us her professional opinion on Nick Cage. And she spoke very eloquently and very thought-provokingly for a while. But the short version is she suspects that from the position of privilege that he started in, he's done the best not to be a prick. So he does well not to be a prick, even though he's had no real struggles. And uh, even though he gets rid of the name Coppola early on in his career, it would be quite naive to suggest that that has not helped certain doors be nudged open, at least. You mean he had some inroads into acting, uh, the Coppola family. Sophia is his first cousin. So, um, you know, he didn't have to struggle so hard. I know he separated himself from the Coppolas, um, but still, he probably had some doors open for him. Uh, I think he's a wonderful actor. He's a method actor. So, um, you know, I do, I, I enjoy watching Nicolas Cage. I think um, that because he's been privileged and been a, a celebrity and movie star for so long, that his, his life is, um, he just, you know, all these quirky, all that quirky stuff he does with exotic animals. Um, I just don't think that he thinks that the rules apply to him. Um, and, and there's a rebellious aspect of that that I totally appreciate. appreciate. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Couldn't agree more, really. I think she then goes on to suggest that perhaps... 
he could benefit from some MDMA therapy, which is what she specialises in. And um, yeah, I think he should do some MDMA therapy. I think, um, or some ayahuasca ceremonies. She's a uh, doctor, a medical doctor who specialises in, I think, I don't know enough about this, so everything I say is probably deeply offensive just through ignorance, but it's like drug therapy. So like giving people ecstasy and what's that, what's that drink that makes you vomit and people do it when they hit a like roadblock in their career are are just on vacation i I believe it's called ayahuasca yeah ayahuasca yeah she's all about ayahuasca and mdma Um, not that i would know i just know the name of it what do you think of ayahuasca so Uh, she i think it's an interesting spelled word mm. um with a origins with with origins that are also equally as interesting I know nothing other than that. Because is that sort of a Native American uh, drug practice or Native Americans, you know, painting? Okay, so I see what you're getting at. Look, you're trying to get it out of me, Greg. I refuse. I plead the fifth. (laughs) I see what you're up to. It's very clever. No. I plead the fifth. Uh, Well, all right. A different tact on the same (laughs) subject. Do you think Nicolas Cage's films would become better or worse. I think, she, first of all, she called it a ayahuasca ritual. Ayahuasca Which ritual, was an, a very interesting, like, mm. bend to the idea. Also, I remember to, in my youth, I'd occasionally have ketamine rituals. <laughs> to propose that someone like Nicolas Cage, mm. to, like, help him, to benefit him, I don't know why I said it like that. That was, it was dumb. A, it was a great way to pronounce the word benefit there. Benefit. I, ben- I like benefit. it. It's, you know, I'm from somewhere that pronounces stuff weirdly. Mm. It's interesting to, to like, get him to do more drugs. Yeah, because... As was, a sol- form of solution? It does seem a weird choice. And, uh, uh, like, I've no I- experience with this, and I don't know... Uh, any of the research behind it so it would be unfair for me to say she's talking shit or everything she says is correct because i don't know she's the professional i'm not i'm gonna have to lean towards Mm. her being correct but i'm not entirely sure that he hasn't had a go at those rituals already Mm. like i don't know and none of this dear legal team exactly i don't i'm pretty sure he is experimented with those solutions previously he must have i just wonder if he took a job load of drugs and then did some acting would it bend him in such a way that he ended up just being really really downbeat and very very straight straight laced acting because she also implies that jim carrey has gone through the same type of treatments yeah our friend um, Jim Carrey, you know, he's done a lot of psychedelic medicine work and he just really became, you know, so aware of his behaviors and, and of, other, of others. I think he became a lot more com- compassionate. And like looking at his career before and after, would it have the same effect? I mean, like Jim Carrey is better now. Like in terms he's of, he's better as like a human being, but is but the, he a better actor? I I think the the his later films I enjoyed more. I do, like that's not the same as saying they're better or worse or anything. Sure, but like 
like when he was in uh, Eternal Sunshine of Her from Titanic, uh, <laughs> that was fun. And that's my was, favorite film, Eternal Sunshine from the Titanic. That's that's what it was, wasn't it? When they when they lay on the water, but they float. And there's that one where what else did he do? Truman's. He did um he did Truman. Truman, Truman, yeah. Truman Capaldi shows. He did twenty three as well. Yeah, I didn't see that. Was that any good? People say it's like better than you would think, but it's not like mind blowing. But then when people say something's better than they think, the bar can be quite low for that. It's true. Any Adam Sandler film is better than I think it's going to be, but that's because <laughs> I despise him and everything he stands for. So <laughs> Well, first of all, that's a that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> It's impossible to for that to be a reality. And I mean, secondly, it's yeah, Adam Sandler. Well, when there isn't a bar at all, the fact that he's made a movie is enough for it to elevate over that bar I have set him. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I'd like to see Nicolas Cage on drugs. But he's a good actor, and I've enjoyed him in the past. And I, I don't think he's a tormented guy. You know, he might play one. But I don't think he is. I think um, I think he sleeps well. Because the thing is, Ooh. we're going to talk about these films in a minute. Don't worry, dear listener. But I'm going to argue that for the film I saw, Nicolas Cage is a coward. I'll get onto that when it's my time. Don't worry. But uh, mm. just in case I forget, remind me, Tom. Nicolas Cage is a coward. Gotcha. Okay. Not as a human, but as an actor in this particular film. A cowardly human in... Bad Lieutenant, okay, gotcha. Bad Lieutenant, colon, Port of Call, hyphen, New Orleans. Or New Orleans, that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? I've been told off before by, by pronouncing it in such a terribly British way. <laughs> New Orleans, that's how people say it, isn't it? You say it however the fuck you want to, it's just a word. Thank you. But what what do we do? Like, other than chatting about Nick Cage and his relationship with or without drugs, what do we do here? For the most part, we make a lot of promises that we only really deliver on some of them. And then we also talk about two different um, movies where Nick Cage is the actor in, typically. And uh, we decide which one of those films we like more. And we send it on down the line to be compared against other Nicolas Cage movies until the moment comes where there are only two movies left standing. And then we will judge which is the best Nicolas Cage movie. I'm genuinely excited to find out what the best one is. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you don't have to worry. There's, you don't need to uh, go out on forums, on Twitter, and have debates about it. We're going to figure it out for you. Mm-hmm. And when we make that decision, that <laughs> will be your dis- that will be your favorite Nicolas Cage movie from here on out. So no need to think or deliberate. Just listen to the podcast. That that is incredible. We should contact every single blockbuster, which shouldn't take too long. I believe there's only one left, mm. and get them to like put up only one Nick Cage film, which is the one we've decided is the best one. All the others they can get rid of. No one needs those. No, they're frivolous, let's be honest. Exactly. But what films are we doing? Um, As has been alluded to, I'll be chatting about Bad Lieutenant. What film did you watch, Tom? I watched It Could Happen to You. Uh, Would you like to start with It Could Happen to You? Yeah, sure. Because, like, this is going to be pretty short, okay? Sweet. Yeah, It Could Happen to You is a rom-com 
uh, I believed it was it released in the 1994, whatever, who cares? Uh, <laughs> well, the point is that it came out before City of Angels, and therefore it's just like I feel like everyone forgot about it because that's like the romantic movie people know Nicolas Cage from really is like City of Angels. Yeah. And that's it, period. This movie, <laughs> <laughs> this movie, he plays a cop, and mm. who's uh, you know, a, a nice guy. But I'm already kind of pulled out of it. I can't. Those two ideas just don't meet in the middle for me. And he, so he plays this cop who's like super, super honest and true to his word. And the cop is married to a woman that he doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't really seem to like her like at all. And. Uh, he goes to a restaurant and there's this woman, this waitress who is also just having like a really, really bad day. She can't get a divorce. She's so poor. Her ex-husband like spent all like charged up her credit cards and she's got to pay those back. And it's, it's just a bad day for her. He visits her for some coffee and stuff, but has to run. Can't give her a tip. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, just, it's coffee. I don't care. And he's like, hey, look, uh, I just bought a lottery ticket. Um, if I win, I'll give you half. And uh, turns out <laughs> it's a movie for a reason. He wins the lottery. Wow. And he has to first split the winnings with a bowling team that also won. Okay. So that leaves him and his wife with just $4 million. <laughs> And just. now... Just, yeah, exactly. And the the wife character just cannot stand the fact that they only have $4 million. Mm. She's like the epitome of, of greediness. Like, that's the character's like only <laughs> trait, essentially. It's, sounds to me, I don't want to um, uh, tread on any feet or guess the ending of this film, but does Cage leave the selfish, horrible, evil wife and get with the you know, previously penniless uh, lady who served him coffee. Oh, so you've watched the movie? No! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so she's she's terrible. She's great. He mm. splits the money. They have a great time. Again, like, what's crazy about this film, I'm, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what happens. It's the only thing that happens in the film other yeah. than a bunch of meat cutes and stuff like that, which is great. It's it's fun to watch. But what I want to talk about is, like, like the hinge in which it centers around is that Nicolas Cage is a cop yeah. who is a good person and a very honest man. And yet, throughout the entire film... Like, he doesn't like lying. He doesn't want to misrepresent information. He wants to stick to his word and his promises. But he doesn't see a single issue with spending time with a full-grown woman that is not his wife. Mm. And, like, really, like, they go out on dates. Like, they straight up go out on dates throughout the movie. He sees nothing wrong with that. It's insane but that's okay the movie solves that conundrum for you because you know the the wife is at one particular point in time spends all her time with like this old rich guy for Mm. info she's clearly into him and digs him and like is like gonna she wants to leave him anyways like so the movie kind of fixes that a little bit but still it's like 
it's weird to have like a character with morals who is also like f- wives. Am I right, women? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. Because that's a, that's his, because if if both people in this marriage are like happily dating and flirting other people and not interested and actively angry with one another, why don't they just just divorce? Like it's it's easier than yeah. going through all of the subterfuge needed for um. Mm. All of this stuff, and if that, and if it's only Cage's character who is, let's be fair, he's emotionally cheating on his wife, right? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, and they must have loved each other. It must have been a good relationship once, because as far as I understand it, people on telly never get married unless it's for real. Mm-hmm. Like no one's forced. No fictional <laughs> couple are forced into a relationship never. because you're writing it you are writing the best way for that couple to get together. So they must have had a good time at some point. So why is Cage being such a bellend? I think his wife was right to seek refuge in the arms of the rich older man. Because Cage has been ignoring her, going, oh, I'm an honest man, my job's really important. Even though we all know you're a corrupt cop. Look, she's not, like, a morally good person by Mm. any means, but that doesn't mean what happens is deserved. No. But yeah, he does step on her like wishes. Like she is very greedy and she's like, don't give away money. That really hurts my feelings. And he gives away money to people like being very nice and charitable. Yeah. But still, like he'll, he'll do it in ways where it's like not conversating with his wife about it. Throughout the movie, he just does little stuff like that. Yes, he's doing it for good. Yes, she's very greedy and it's not very nice. But. but- in the relationship, you're not communicating like yeah. you're you're trampling on her feelings, regardless of what those feelings are. Like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, because like, put yourself in her position. And that, <laughs> pick picture this. Don't get too excited. Your wife has not won the lottery, to my knowledge, Tom. Okay, <laughs> don't get really excited. But your wife goes, "I've won uh, literally millions of dollars." Oh right? my god, are you fucking serious? Oh shit, I. I heard this. <laughs> but yeah, right, I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> But if she in says, we, we've won four million, I bought a lottery ticket, you know how I do it occasionally, you know, you, we don't talk about it much because it's a silly little thing and, you know, nothing comes up, I win ten dollars mm-hmm. here, nothing there, whatever, I've got one four million, and you're like, oh my god, this is really exciting, should we start planning, what, what do you want to do, is there any holiday you always wanted, or do you want to buy some house or whatever, I don't know, whatever yeah. people do when they get millions, and she goes, yeah, cool, well first thing, I'm going to give half of it to this guy. Oh, really? Who? Oh, just this guy I've been seeing. I'm sorry, yep. what? <laughs> yep. Like, you it's would be up. you'd be forgiven for going, can we have a, like, I, I think we need a conversation about this first. Like, but he just, made a, he, it's like, I made a promise. Mm. I made a promise, I have to stick with it. And it's like, nope, you, you made a promise to your fucking wife first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everything's so loosely, like, hinged on that on this premise that I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't like the idea, but, but you know, like, so in in the film, there's a process where they split up and Mm. the wife actually like sues him and the woman for like the money he gave to her and stuff. Okay. And and in that sense, it's actually a very interesting little like climax, like a little threshold to cross over that they have to go through because it's, Honestly, like their relationship is like so perfect that it's sickening. It's mm. <laughs> it's just it's too good, you know. It's written mm. to be too cute, uh, and so this is like the only thing that can really have that that moment in a rom com where it's like, oh, I guess they won't, they won't, they they might not, won't they? 
Oh, that did, would be terrible. Did the wife and win the lawsuit? She did. Oh, shit. She did. But throughout the entire film, there's a man who I believe his name was Angel, but he's mm. like present in it. And he narrates like the first few scenes of the film, but he's like a New York Times writer. Yeah. And he writes about the couple. Everyone hears about it. So people start like giving them money and shit again. <laughs> <laughs> and so like they get like six hundred thousand dollars through this process and so it's like hey no, nothing to worry about anymore it's all good <laughs> and the ex-wife like goes away with the older gentleman who happens to not have any money and in fact just steals all her money oh so wow. she's like broke because that's a shit because it seems like the wife is the nicer person because she seeks comfort in the arms of someone else who is poor Right, she's I mean, not that. I'm going to be honest. The ex, are you talking are the ex-wife? Yeah. Okay, she is not nice. Oh, okay, fair. She's enough. very much. I I will be. I want to be completely honest. She is not a great character, morally speaking. She's okay. very mean. So, like in a sense, she gets what's coming to her, but in a way that just doesn't sit right. But yeah, that's not how we live life. We don't just be really vile to vile people but i feel i don't know i feel sorry for because there seems something quietly insidious about here's here's the thing yeah the quietly insidious that yes so there's a a portion of this film there's this little sniff a hint uh nicholas cage is uh i i believe he is just a white man Mm. um his wife in the movie is uh, uh latin american the white the waitress his love interest that isn't mm-hmm. his wife is a white woman yeah and there is like this sense I, I and i feel it in like a few other like romantic comedies and relationship type movies where it's like oh well i mean come really on. it's oh. not a white person that they're dating and this is so ugh, really like they're kind of meant to be together yeah as i which is quite but then is that and genuine question not judging one way or the other but is that something that we as uh self-aware but uncomfortable white men project onto the film unnecessarily or is it something which the filmmakers have intentionally or accidentally put on the film because of their inherent biases are we doing that to the film right I, i i feel like it's probably both me and it feels like a bit of a trope that's like a slightly reoccurring it films yeah. at this time, you know? Yeah, which is um, a bit... It's slightly uncomfortable, isn't it? Slightly uncomfortable. Yes. Because yeah. I, I like a rom-com, but I, most of the time the couples that you're rooting for shouldn't be together. <laughs> Primarily like Tom Hanks yes. and Meg Ryan and You've Got Mail, right? It's right, like, yeah. by the time they get together and do a proper kiss, then they've got to have the awkward conversation after the credits of going, so you did single-handedly fucking bankrupt me. You did destroy my business. And then he'll have to say, well, to be fair, in a free economy, is it right that I destroyed your business? Or is it just that I provide your services at a more like competitive rate? They have to have that conversation, which is not yeah. romantic. And how do you walk uh. away from that? <laughs> You don't. <laughs> There's no relationship like, after that. At least with this romance, like Cage has done the very, very smart and really calculated and almost psych- psychotic thing. I'm going, I've got four million. 
I need to give her two million. If we then get together, I've still essentially got four million because she's got half the money. I've got exactly. the other half. Like, yeah. admittedly, he wasn't counting mm-hmm. on his ex-wife suing him for everything and winning. Mm. But make sure that if you do something this despicable, it's interesting enough to sell your story over and over so you get your 600,000 or whatever. At the end of the day, they're not punished at they're all. Not, they're not punished nearly enough. They should yeah. be punished. Does Cage do a good performance, though? What sort of Cage so, are you looking at? It's pretty fucking good. Um, hmm. Like, the whole budding relationship of... Uh, the two characters have, like, great chemistry, honestly. Like, it's very palpable. Yeah, he does a great job. Like, he he does. It's nothing... Obviously, it's nothing, like, uh, explosive or dynamic. It's... It, it suits the needs of the film. Yeah. I don't like rom-coms anyway, so it's like, it's difficult for me to <laughs> endorse. But yeah, it, it, it all works very well. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Well, this sounds like uh, terrible people, but an enjoyable movie watching them be terrible. Speaking of rom-coms. Yes. Um, let's talk about Bad Lieutenant. Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, is a Herner Wurzog film. It is. It goes out of its way to say this is not a remake of Bad Lieutenant from the early 90s, and this is not a sequel to Bad Lieutenant from the early 90s. It's only called Bad Lieutenant as an accident, because the writer called it Bad Lieutenant originally to go, hey, Werner Herzog, I've got this idea for a film. Here's a rough draft of the script. Do you want to direct it? And he was like, well, I'm not if it's a remake. I, like, We're going to call it Port of Call New Orleans instead of Bad Lieutenant, and they agreed to do that. But then the production company said, well, we'll get more marketing if we say it's like a redo of Bad Lieutenant, and that's why it's there. So the only similarities between Bad Lieutenant, the Harvey Keitel film from the early 90s, and Bad Lieutenant, the Nicolas Cage film from 2009 is that the main character is a corrupt cop. So that's it. There's a couple of scenes which are similar and upsetting, but it's a corrupt cop. The early 90s Bad Lieutenant is very much a uh, moral redemption story, and it's very Catholic-centred. Whereas this, there's no redemption. It's just so cynical and so hollow throughout all of it, which is which is an awful lot of fun. But Nicolas Cage is a great cop, and it's set in New Orleans just after Hurricane Katrina. So it opens with him being a good cop, and he's with his mate Val Kilmer just looking through some prison cells, making sure that everyone's out of there. They find one prisoner still in a cell, and the water's rising, and he might drown. So after taking the piss out of him for a bit cage jumps in to save him in doing so buggers his back up as a result of this he has to be on pain medication forever and he gets promoted from just normal officer to lieutenant hooray as well as the pain medication he starts taking loads of recreational drugs which he gets for free by his mate who is her who is in the craft uh she works in evidence room so can just steal drugs for him so he smokes lots of weed, takes lots of cocaine, and his pain medication, which is Vicodin, I think. And because he's all hopped up on crazy drugs all the time, he starts being more and more corrupt. He starts doing things for fun, and there's a little bit of abuse thrown in there. Like, he pulls a couple of people over for drugs, and when they're like, please, I'll do anything, he ends up having sex with this guy's girlfriend in a way that 
it's not a good scene. It's not a, a, a pleasant or enjoyable scene in any way. But, you know, he's, he's that sort of person now. And he's just going along, being all corrupt and all police and lieutenants and all of that. Until five illegal immigrants get murdered and he's put in charge of trying to deal with the case. He finds out early doors that exhibit and his gang killed it. Cage knows it could take him 40 days and 40 nights to find this weapon of mass destruction. But is restless in trying to apprehend this murderer. Um, that is quite a few exhibit album titles in that brief sentence there. I hope you enjoyed it. But Cage uses the power of corruption to try and solve this crime, and there's difficulties in solving it, but then he solves it, and by working with the exhibit, going, I'm a corrupt cop, I can give you police information, and in exchange, give me money and drugs. And this happens, and then he gets a crack pipe, which he gets exhibit to smoke from plants this at the murder scene. We get to lock up um, exhibit, and then it ends with about a year in the future. It looks like Nick Cage is all rehabilitated, but actually he's smoking a little bit of heroin, and he meets the offender who he saved from drowning in prison at the start of the film, who goes, hey, buddy, I'll help you if you want, because you looked after me, and I've been clean for a year. And then they're at an aquarium and the film ends okay so there's no redemption in this film that's the basic plot there's a couple of very interesting things about the film but that that's basically it so it's just a throwaway story with lots of silliness it's quite enjoyable but it's it's a two-hour movie but it does feel longer it feels very very long i could happily have shaved off like 40 minutes of this and i don't think you would miss much i quite like that it was originally going to be set in new york but Nicolas Cage suggested they move it to New Orleans so they could help New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina with just the money of doing the film there. Because this was done by loads of production companies, including Nicolas Cage's production company that I didn't know he had. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Saturn Films. Saturn Films. Uh, Saturn as, okay. in, as in the planet, not as in the material. <laughs> right. That is in the Dreamcast the the, the console (laughs) although that would be so much better and so apt for him but yeah he decided to set it in new orleans so they could get the money for having a film made in there which i assume gets loads of money and tourism or whatever well that's awfully nice so isn't that lovely of them and i quite like that he ends up using the power of corruption to solve the crime like official channels are all going like hey it won't work it won't work you can't we've got no evidence he's gonna get away with it and all of that Mm. whereas nicholas cage is just like well if i steal this bit of evidence and plant it here and then get this gangster to speak to this gangster so i can create a scene and if i make sure this bit of exhibits property is at the scene then everyone can see it and link it together it's almost like it's a apologist movie for the police it's almost because you know like when um when terrorism was a big thing in 2001 Mm. and at the same time you had loads of tv shows like 24 which was excellent but it was very much going the at any cost right we are Mm. gonna get rid of terrorism and sometimes you need to just torture people but that's okay because it gets the job done it feels like this is doing the same thing like hey hey Mm. the police may be corrupt but it gets results doesn't it and what do you want do you want a happy police force that follow the books and no one gets sent to jail or do you want exhibit pimping no more rides and in the slammer where he belongs but if you do that we've got to break some rules it feels like it's setting up the public for just accepting a lot of slapdash police work (laughs) oh boy oh god 
and maybe that's not maybe that's not fair maybe i'm pulling all of that out of thin air and if i am apologies police you're doing a knock-up job but um it it definitely seems like that because every there seems to be a because movies obviously reflect whatever's going on in society they don't create society they reflect society in a way and it just seems weird it's like national treasure which was so painfully patriotic and obviously that was the intention and whether it was um, uh, satirically patriotic or genuinely patriotic doesn't matter because it, it works in both ways. It it feels like that, but with the police, like, is this really pro-police or is this essentially just going, look at them, look what they do. This isn't all right, is it? He's not a sympathetic character at all in this film. And the reason he's a coward, I would argue, is because he's famously a method actor, isn't he? Uh, Nicholas Cage. Yes, yeah. And so much so that in uh, Leaving Las Vegas, he was often very drunk during filming to play the alcoholic in a convincing way. He was very drunk and very hungover in real life for it. In Bad Lieutenant, he never took real drugs during the filming of this. He would snort baby powder as a stand-in for cocaine. <laughs> How can Are you, you call it? he did commit? Yeah. Well, if... <laughs> If you're going to be a method actor, like just choose, just to choose not to be method, like which is an easier way to act, I imagine, because that is, you know, acting. You you are pretending it is make believe. Yeah, he snorted fake drugs. I just think if and they totally could get real drugs, and they totally could do real drugs and not get in trouble for it. Yeah, I I don't know whether. Hollywood bigwigs would find it easy or hard to locate some cocaine. I don't know how how readily available it is in Hollywood. But I think it's like the even the toilet paper is lined with it. <laughs> and I just think of all the people we've ever met or ever interacted with, I think Dr. Deborah Wyndham would be so disappointed with him for this portrayal. Really? Yeah. She's at the start of this episode we heard from her she said how he needs to take drugs to be happy and in this film he's got the opportunity to and he's actively choosing as a real life human to not take drugs however we do get some phenomenal cage high as a kite acting so he nice. does all of the like shouting woo and mad eyes and <laughs> yells all wonderful lines like do you not have a favorite crack pipe which you know oh it, wow I mean, that's that's, a, that's the extent we're going to. Yeah, uh, it, it wonderful. And Nick Cage improvised most of his dialogue and most of his uh, just acting and and gestures and movements in it, much to the like chagrin of the writer, but to <laughs> uh, Werner Herzog, the director, and um, Nick Cage himself. They were just giddy with excitement working with each other to such an extent that Nicolas Cage, at the start of filming, got everyone to shut up and then just pointed at Werner and just went, finally, someone who knows what they're doing. Oh my god, no. It would have been so cool. To do. And the, the director of the original Bad Lieutenant hated that they were doing this, this movie, which he saw as a remake. Uh, to such uh. an extent that he was quoted as saying that he hoped... Um, uh, I'm going to paraphrase. I can't remember the exact quote. But hopes everyone involved in the filming, all cast and crew, are in the same car and die in hell. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, <laughs> this movie has such a storied history I never fucking knew. It's beautiful. And the best response that Herzog could do for that was the one he did where he just said, I've never heard of the man. I don't know who he is. I've never seen his film. This has got nothing to do with that. 
They did meet up, had a three-hour dr- drinking session, and became good friends after that. So it's oh, happy ending. So so it's great. I mean, it's not the best film. It's a throwaway sure. piece of popcorn fluff. It's got some really exciting performances from Cage because he's mm. he's allowed to be unhinged because he's supposed to be like mentally unhinged as a result of all the drug abuse. It's great. See, seeing Nicolas Cage act with Exhibit is not something I knew I needed in my life, but <laughs> but now I feel like I've. How I've, was that, by the way? Uh, well, Exhibit's not a bad actor. In this film, I, I haven't seen him in anything else. I imagine he's mm. in a few films, but he he does all right. Like I I don't know whether if he was put in another role he would be challenged slightly. Like if he was given a romantic comedy role, maybe he <laughs> right, wouldn't yeah. be as believable because of the persona he puts across in his pop music. He's able to maintain the idea of being a a pimp. <laughs> essentially (laughs) like a a you're saying it's not much of a stretch for exhibit i'm saying it's already a persona he has enjoyed i'm not saying it's what he's like as a real human i don't know oh yeah because who knows really yeah Yeah. but it's already a persona he's had fun with so it's it's not much of a departure from what we know of exhibit uh, so he does that. So he does that well. And him and Nick Cage, they do have good chemistry. It. I wouldn't be surprised if they were still friends to this day. Because, or maybe they're just really good at acting together and they can't stand each other. Who knows? Like acting is actors are liars. It's hard to understand what they really think or feel. So true. But yeah, that's that's it. It's nice to see even Mendes and hear. Cage. But who wins then? Those are the two films. Yeah, that's the that's the thing we got to come down to because you know I think I've made my my stance like pretty clear. Yeah. I like even if the if even if the film is is bad, like if Nick Cage is great in it, if he's doing what we love to see him do, yeah, then I'm all for it. And do you think he was lacking as a Cage in um in the rom com or do? You- or do you yeah, think so it's it's a very different side of Nicolas Cage because I don't think he's done a lot of romantic comedies. No. To see this angle of him, it was very nice. It and it was very well done. So this one's pretty tough. Also, how the hell by the way, these films for the most part, like they're completely random who they're paired up against. And yeah. somehow we got the two films where he's both a cop. <laughs> I think he's probably. I don't know how this keeps happening. I assume he's going to end up being a cop in quite a few of them. I would argue, like even like Eight Millimeter and Wicker Man were very similar films too. Yeah, like, have we been either lucky or unlucky with the pairings being very, very comparable? Or let's is let's it, toss luck to the wind. Or is it just that I don't want to? Is he a bit samey? <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, actually, that's is, a great point. Is that it? it I mean, yeah. if random pairings uh-huh. like, oh, well, these films I, very similar characters, very similar character to how he's been in the last twenty <laughs> films, actually. Yeah. Does it matter that what they're paired up against, or would we just get this period? Um, in my opinion, mm. and what I will choose to believe <laughs> is that the the graceful, subtle hand of Cage has yeah. guided the rng of our pairings i think and you're right it, it is is coming up with these these pairings that are actually like somewhat thematically related i hope so because 
The thing is, it's easier to compare if they are related in some way. Whereas when you've got two yeah. films which are equally uh, shit or rubbish or wonderful and <laughs> yeah. beautiful or whatever, but entirely different, then I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it gets pretty tough. Because Pig and Mandy, I think, are quite comparable to one another. I even do though too. I completely yeah. agree. But yeah. that. But if we had Pig or Mandy against either of these two films, I would say polar opposites, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so the the rom coms looking strong because, uh, you know, Bad Lieutenants not a. It's just like as a movie. Yeah. You know, why? How did you feel about it as a movie? I thought it was okay as a movie. It's a solid like five or six out of ten. Like mm. it's you'll enjoy it. But you're ne- But after you've watched it, you're never going to choose to watch it again. But if someone says, oh, do you want to watch Bad Lieutenant? You might go, yeah, all right. That's why I haven't watched yeah. it in a while. It, Let's do that. You're never going to choose it. It could happen to it. you. I would say the exact same thing. Really? As a whole. It is like, okay, I liked watching that, but I don't, I don't think I'd really care to see it again. So it comes down to the cage performance. Because I'm guessing it these two films. It comes down to the cage performance. These two films very similar in terms of quality. Like yes, I mean I most of the stuff I spoke about with Bad Lieutenant is stories around the film. <laughs> the you know film what? Here, is, here's yeah. what, here's what we can do. Okay, why don't we break it down to Cage and the relationship in the movie? Okay, cool. Because I'll do Cage and the Waitress, and then you'll do. Obviously, you're going to do Exhibit and Cage because that was yeah. the relationship. That's in the, the movie. strongest relationship. <laughs> I think the relationship between Cage and the Waitress character was pretty bland like they were too good for each other it was it matched up a little too well um what they liked and enjoyed just they they had like this really homey white fence classical tropey sort of vibe going for them and it it just wasn't something that i really digged at all fair enough the relationship between exhibit and cage there's a lot to get on board with including such magical lines as shoot him again why his soul is still dancing like um i don't know they they seemed yep that's the thing um someone wrote that yeah yeah they they wrote that well they not necessarily cage could have improvised that oh you know you're right yeah that could be direct from the lord's mouth I'll kill all of you to the break of dawn. To the break of dawn, baby. The, the relationship is wonderful between those two. I'd love to see a film with those two. If we're basing it exclusively on the relationship, then Exhibit and Cage win. Because uh, the, film's what, yeah, the film's what it is. But Cage and Exhibit, it's worth watching for them together. It's fucking beautiful. All right. I, well, I say we shall, as the kids say, ship it. Okay, we, sh- we, we will ship it. Does that mean... Does does that mean we're thinking of them together, or does that mean do we? Yeah, it's honestly it kind of means both. So okay, cool. I'm very smart for having said it. (laughs) We're shipping exhibit and cage, and you can't stop us. (laughs) Hey, lunchbox, draw that. Oh no! You don't have to. You don't have to. You do. You do have to. And we're going to put it on a t-shirt. He's got the. He's going to want to. It's, that's what sucks about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to want to. 
do it. <laughs> okay, sweet man. Um, bad lieutenant put colon port of call hyphen New Orleans. You have gone through to round two. So I think that brings us to the end. Is there any business to catch up with? I haven't hassled any Nicolas Cage podcast this week. I don't know. I'm not doing any writing whatsoever because I don't want to. Yeah, fair enough. Good reason. It is. And like I've I've got plans, but I don't know when they're gonna be done. Like this is gonna be the end of December this comes up, so the plans will probably happen, but I don't know when they'll be done because that's relying on on other people sorting things out. Gross. Who knows? But we've got stuff. Go gregregman.org to see all the stuff. I'll keep that updated fairly good. And for cage fight stuff, look at the Instagram. I'll update that more regularly. And Tom, what? Are, uh, where can people find information about you? Thoughts and Flight everywhere. That is everything that can be anything. Thoughts and Flight. If you open up the Bible... Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere in there is the word thoughts in mm-hmm. flight. You can and probably do a whole Bible code thing of it. Oh, excuse me. Little cheeky, <laughs> cheeky little father. Got Just slip one in real quick. <laughs> to the outro. That's it. That's good. You leave it there. Okay. See you later, Cage fans. Cage it up. What do you say we cut the chit chat a hole? All right. Well, I love you guys. <laughs>